Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi. If you have just found this podcast and are listening for the first time, you might notice that it isn't perfect. I was still very much learning how everything worked at this point, but it does get better as the episodes go on. Thank you for listening, and please stay safe. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. A crime that took place on one Sunday morning in 1999 was so gruesome that it was described as an orgy of savagery by prosecuting counsel. Four people from the same family lost their lives in the Lower Swansea Valley during an attack that resulted in the most extensive murder investigation ever carried out by South Wales Police. Eventually, a man was arrested, convicted and sentenced to prison for the murders of Mandy Power her two daughters, Katie and Emily, and her mother, Doris Dawson. Yet still, many feel there was a huge miscarriage of justice. You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode. At 4.27am on Sunday the 27th of June, 1999, the Emergency Control Centre in Newport received a call. A home in Clidder was on fire. Just moments before, 
a BP chemical worker, Robert Wachowski, had looked out of his window to the house almost directly opposite after hearing some strange noises. But it wasn't the smashing and banging alone that made Robert worried, but the white smoke he saw appearing from the rear end of the house at 9 Kelvin Road. Robert tried to call his neighbour, Mandy Power, several times on her landline and mobile, but there was no reply. Fearing somebody had possibly set fire to a rubbish bin, Robert ran across the street to see what was going on. When he went around the back of the house, Robert saw that the kitchen of the home was ablaze. Meanwhile, another neighbour, alarmed by his mother, Donald Jones, arrived at the scene. Together, Donald and Robert hammered on the front door. They knew that the family of four, including two little children, were most likely trapped inside. But as nobody came to the door, and there was no way for them to get inside, Robert shouted to Rosemary Jones to call 999. Shortly after, two fire engines arrived at the house with ten firefighters. Four of the firefighters forced their way into the blazing home, where they soon discovered the small bodies of ten-year-old Katie and eight-year-old Emily. The third body belonged to the mother of the two girls, Mandy Power. Mandy was found entirely naked with a vibrator lodged inside her vagina. All three victims were laid outside on the ground before paramedics arrived at 4.41 and took over. However, it was quickly realised that Mandy and her two children had already died, and not just because of the fire. All three victims clearly had injuries not caused by the flames. Meanwhile, when the fire was under control, firefighters re-entered the house and discovered the fourth and final victim, 80-year-old Doris Dawson. In addition, they now saw pools of blood and pieces of flesh all over the home. The walls, doors and even the ceiling were full of dark splatters of blood. 9 Kelvin Road was not just a burning home, but a crime scene for four brutal murders. The detectives who arrived at the house had a very important job, to preserve any evidence and ensure no clues were missed, despite the chaos caused by the fire. But strangely, that didn't happen, and Detective Inspector Lewis who was originally in charge of the situation, quickly removed himself from the scene. It was more than two hours after the quadruple killing had come to light when 9 Kelvin Road was finally secured and a murder investigation began. At around 7am, police surgeon Carl Harry arrived at the scene 
and pronounced the victims dead. In his notes, he wrote, The indications were of traumatic injuries being sustained prior to or around the time of death. While Mandy, Katie, Emily and Doris's bodies were transported to Morriston Hospital Mortuary for full pathological examinations, the families were informed of their deaths. Mandy's former husband and the father of their children, Michael Power, was visually distraught after receiving the news and could not understand why somebody would do such a thing. Obviously, the police are always suspicious of the ex-partner, but Michael had an alibi. He had been at home with his new girlfriend, Sarah Williams, at the time of the murders. Michael would later give a public speech during which he said, I have lost Katie and Emily, the two most important people in my life. These children could have been your children, and I ask people to think about this and come forward to the inquiry team with any information you may have. Mandy's siblings, Margaret, Julie, Sandra and Robert, were also struggling with their loss, but they were confident that the police would catch the killer. But the truth is, the police were already botching the investigation right from the start. Realising that the killer's trail was getting cold, Officers were swift to accuse firefighters of trampling over the evidence at the crime scene, completely forgetting that the firefighters had a duty to preserve life, not evidence. The latter should have been the main responsibility of the police. And yet, Detective Inspector Stuart Lewis had disappeared from the crime scene after only five minutes and he never gave a reason why he had left so abruptly and failed to report the murders to his superior officers. Detective Inspector Lewis also refused to explain why he had used a payphone in the public waiting area to talk about events at 9 Calvin Road with an unknown person. While we do not know the identity of the person Lewis was talking with, it's safe to say that he did not want the call to be traced. If Lewis had used the phone inside his office, the call would have been logged. By using the payphone, that issue was removed. There was one more odd detail that serviced about Detective Inspector Lewis. On the night of the murders, Lewis was on duty at the office, but between midnight and 3am, nobody could find him or his car. That was the very time when the murders were committed, and yet, even though Lewis again failed to give any explanation of where he had been, he never faced any kind of disciplinary sanctions. While this might sound strange, unfortunately, back then, South Wales police were known for miscarriages of justice 
and unacceptable investigative practices, with little to no sanctions given to officers responsible for such behaviour. And of course, there was another reason why Detective Inspector Lewis might have been acting so strangely. His brother Stephen's wife, Alison, had been having an affair with one of the victims. Stephen Lewis was also a police officer and had arrived at 9 Kelvin Road the morning after the fire with Alison, a former police officer. Immediately after hearing the identities of the victims, Alison became distressed. She had been having some kind of relationship with Mandy Power, who was now the victim of a brutal murder. Alison took the news of her lover's death so badly that she booked herself into Kevin Coyd Psychiatric Hospital where she was kept on 24-hour suicide watch. Meanwhile, Stephen and the couple's daughter flew to Germany to avoid the adverse publicity. Needless to say, at this point, the chief constable at South Wales Police should have handed the investigation over to another police force. The officers were now investigating their own colleagues which was a conflict of interest. And yet, South Wales Police retained the responsibility of the case. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Allison and Stephen Lewis were eventually arrested on suspicion of murder on the 4th of July 2000 and Stuart Lewis was arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to perverse the course of justice. However, none of them would be the person who was eventually convicted for the murder of Mandy Power, her two daughters and her mother. The forensic examination of the house suggested that whoever the killer was had not forced their way into the home. So it appeared that she or he had been let in or they had a key. Investigators had found a thick plastic-covered pole lying in amongst the debris, which was most likely used as the murder weapon. The heads of each victim had been hit with such force that their skulls were smashed. Mandy alone 
suffered 38 separate injuries. 15 of those were directed to her face and head. After all four had been bludgeoned to death, the first of four separate fires had been started in Mandy's bedroom at around 2.30am and the last fire was started in the kitchen at around 3.50am. Among the evidence found at the scene were a blood-soaked sock and a gold chain that appeared to have been pulled off the killer in a fight with Mandy. It was that exact piece of jewellery that would eventually lead to the arrest of a 38-year-old man named David Morris. Builder's labourer David Morris's name had been given to the police by a few callers who thought that he was a person of interest. David was already known to the police as he had a history of petty crimes and violence, some of them against women. At the time of the murders, David lived with his girlfriend Mandy Jewell and her eight-year-old daughter Emma. Their flat was located about 25 minutes from the home of Mandy Power. Mandy Jewell and Mandy Power had actually been friends for years, but eventually they drifted apart in 1998. Mandy Jewell also knew Alison Lewis well because of her relationship with her former friend. But what does David have to do with all this? Well, allegedly, he also had a sexual relationship with Mandy Power. After her divorce from Michael, Mandy had been rather adventurous and had had several relationships, including with her neighbour Robert and Alison. In addition, David told his own cousin a day after the murder that he had been, quote, shagging Mandy for some time. However, there was no evidence that any sexual relationship ever occurred between the two. But still, something was clearly making David angry as on Saturday the 26th of June 1999, a day before the gruesome attack, he called Mandy a, quote, fucking evil bitch and, quote, a lying cow to his partner. It's claimed that Mandy had falsely claimed that she had cervical cancer before her friendship with David's girlfriend had fallen apart. Mandy J's mother had actually recently died of the disease and David loathed Mandy P for that reason. But still, surely that wasn't enough of a reason to kill three generations from one family? Nevertheless, David Morris was eventually arrested on the 20th of March 2001, 18 months after the murders, after police discovered that the heavy gold Figaro link chain found at the crime scene contained a fleck of paint that matched David's kitchen cabinets. David, however, 
claimed that he had left the broken chain at Mandy's home on the 25th of June 1999 after he had gone to 9 Kelvin Road to have sex. But still, many saw the chain as evidence of his guilt. Apart from that, the authorities did not have much evidence against David. Yet the Lewises, who had acted so strangely at the beginning, who had been arrested and spent months as suspects in the case were never charged. David, however, was charged with the quadruple murder on the 23rd of March 2001, even though his DNA or fingerprints were not found anywhere at the scene. But that didn't seem to matter. The story of a drugged-up and drunk David attending Mandy's home that night and losing control after his sexual advances were rejected, were convincing. According to the prosecution, David had exploded with anger and tried to strangle Mandy before picking up a four-foot iron bar. 38 blows definitely seemed personal. After killing Mandy, he went on to kill the rest of her family. On the 28th of June, 2002, David Morris was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. He then went on to win an appeal based on a conflict of interest, but he was convicted again at a retrial at Newport Crown Court in 2006. During that trial, the prosecution presented phone records proving that David was at home when he had claimed to be sleeping with Mandy. This proved that his story of how the chain had ended up inside her home was false. Afterwards, Mandy Power, her two daughters Katie and Emily, and her mother Doris Dawson's family felt that justice had been served. As Robert, Mandy's brother, said, Today we know that the evil person responsible for this will spend the rest of his life behind bars. But still, many believe that David Morris was actually a victim himself, a victim of a miscarriage of justice. Evidence against David was circumstantial at best, and his family feel that there is an equal amount of evidence to suggest that he was not guilty of the crimes. They are still fighting to try to clear David's name, even after he died on August 20th, 2021, after collapsing outside his cell at the age of just 59. Just weeks after David's death, South Wales Police announced that a fresh examination of a sock that the killer used as a glove during the murders was linked to David. Yet, the police refused to release the report regarding the DNA to his defence team 
and have not given any further information on how conclusive this evidence on the sock actually is. One notable thing is that David Morris maintained his innocence until his final breath, even though admitting to the murders would have made his life in prison easier. He could have gotten a shorter sentence, received more privileges and had more family visits, but instead David maintained, I'll stay here for the rest of my life if that's what it takes because I will not admit to something I didn't do. And that he did. Only time will tell if the whole truth of the Clidduck murders will ever come out, or if we have known the truth all along. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews, and of course, your patience. I really do appreciate it, and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits, and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release, and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon, where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget, you can also like, follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, you can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and please stay safe. If you are affected by any of the content featured in today's episode, please see the show notes or visit www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find links to further support. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.